Welcome to the Fitz Group Podcast for its members and our community at large. Our desire is to create a connection with our audience, communicate through seasons of transition, and empower you to make your business all you dreamed it would be. Join us now for the next episode of the story that will be told with our hosts, Fitz and Heather. We are continuing our series today on focus. Hopefully concluding our series on focus. We're concluding it. That's If correct. we can stay focused. If we can stay focused. <laughs> um, there's power in focus. Yeah. You, you just, um, you're not going to reach your goals or get where you want to go without choosing to focus. But I'll tell you, it's, it's, it is a choice. And these are changes that every single one of us are capable of making. Hmm. And today we're going to dive into a topic of focus. It's, it's a, um, something a mentor said years ago that's something that's always stuck with me. And I, I don't know, it made sense in my mind when I heard it. And it's treat your business like it's big, even when it's small. And to me, what that means is it's kind of like, to me, it's the same idea as like when you get married and you know you want to have two or three kids and you're, you know, buying or building that first house, you buy a house that has an extra room or two for at least the first one or two kids. You know, that, I mean, that, that's the dream, at least. It's what you want to do. Yeah. To me, it's kind of the same concept. It's like you want to make room in your business for the future growth that you know it's going to have. And so we're going to talk a little bit today about have you created a routine in your business that is going to support your future growth? Because again, this is a, this is a subset of the concept of focus because the routines in place, the way that you are operating your business now is, should be set and in place knowing that you are about to explode and have momentum in your business. So in doing that, <coughs> treating it like it's a big business, even when it's small, you, you, you need to identify first, okay? Identify what are the income producing activities for my business? Um, for me, in, in our business, an income producing activity isn't necessarily making dials. Uh, the income producing activity is meeting with clients. Um, the income producing activity isn't necessarily running an ad on Facebook or ZipRecruiter to hire a new agent. The income producing activity is having that new agent on board and getting them selling. So when you're looking at um, in the routines that need to be set up in your business, you need to set up income producing activities on a weekly routine. This is when I make my dials. This is when I run appointments. This is when I run ads. This is when I'm talking to agents. This is when I'm training. And initially, as you're getting your business up and off the ground, it's all on you, man. You got to do it all. Mm -hmm. And then and then maybe you can convince your spouse eh, eh, to come <laughs> quit their job and kind of help you out or maybe just help them out part time or or maybe you're hiring a staff or maybe you figure out how to I'm always trying to automate something, you know, like, can I get a computer <laughs> a program to do this for me automatically rather than me having to do it or pay somebody to do it. But but ultimately, all of these activities are the things that your business is going to need to do long term even when you're from when you're little bitty to being ginormous these are all things that need to be doing and, and maybe you automate them at some point maybe you have a staff do them at some point but but ultimately you got to decide what are those income producing activities and when are they scheduled in the weekly routine 
uh, as you start hiring staff, and we'll talk about that in a little bit, as you start hiring staff, you can start taking some of those things off of your plate, uh, but, but they need to be established. That's correct. Uh, I think something else that's important as you're setting up your business is that you make sure that you have a separation hmm. between your business life and your personal life. So that includes your finances, that <laughs> includes your time management, you know, uh, I mean, you've got, when you're, like you're saying, when you're building that routine, these are your hours in your day that you're working. Mm. These are your hours in your day when you're taking care of your family matters that need to be taken care of. Um, and even in your relationships, I mean, we're, we're big believers that it's important to have strong work relationships. It's also important to have strong relationships outside of the business yeah. because it brings balance into your life. Mm. So then these are the things that, how are you gonna prioritize and um, and make sure, again, the reason this is so important, like I know for us, I remember in the beginning, um, we so we got started in this business really like in the end of 99, when you first kind of got your insurance license and yep. started selling. And um, it wasn't until January of 2004 that we officially incorporated our business. Right. So for a few years, we, we got burned because we were not incorporated and we learned that the hard way with probably paying too much taxes. Um, but we also had a few years where I don't know that we were making enough money to really, you know, justify <laughs> all the means. But I'm so glad that we did what we did when we did it was we, I remember it felt painful to write the check to the attorney, but mm. we did what we needed to do when our business was small to set up our entities correctly so that we had a clear separation um, and, a, and, a, and a clear entity set up so we had a real business. Yeah. It was a real business. And um, so it was done not just by the sense that it was creating cash flow, but it had an entity, it had a represent representation. It, it was a living being, you know? And so it's just so important that, that you do that, that you recognize now that my business is going to be big. So the decisions I'm making now, if you're commingling your funds with your business, Oof. you're setting yourself up for a lot of heartache in the future. Mm. Um, if you are, um, if you're not clear, like if you work from home, let's say, that's okay. Feel completely fine. But if you're not managing your time, if you find yourself emptying a dishwasher, you know, loading a, um, a washing machine, doing uh, running kids back and forth, you know, that you probably may not have clear separation between when you're doing home activities versus when you were working. As if you were at an office working, you wouldn't have the privilege of doing that. And I know like, I know now with COVID, I mean, there's a lot of people working from home just right. in general mm -hmm. and they're kind of balancing that. And I'm not saying that you can't pop over and empty a dishwasher, but again, the series that we're talking about is about focus. Right. And it's about really, focus is really about trading the good for the great. And mm. um, sometimes we, we really aren't realizing how these little things are sneaking in and robbing us of the activity and the productivity that our businesses need to go to the next level. And that's why these routines of separating your business from your personal life are really important when you get started and, and as you're moving forward. Yeah, and you know, I, I was going back, as you're telling the story, going back in my mind to January 2004, getting incorporated and talking with that attorney and the accountants and all that sort of stuff, getting everything set up. I remember that attorney saying, he may have just said it in passing, but I remember him just asking the question, do you think a Fortune 500 company would do that? 
And it was, I don't remember what he was asking that about, but it just stuck in my head. And I remember at the time, I mean, we're young, we're getting a business off the ground. I'm like, yeah, I'm going to be a Fortune 500 company. Yeah. And, uh, you know, most self employed small business owners don't become Fortune 500. Actually, only 500 might. And so, um, but it did make me start thinking of treating my business like those businesses treat their business. And I think he was talking about, you know, you need to keep minutes of your business and yada, 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 you know, like document stuff and treat it like a business. When you let somebody go, you need to document that. I mean, it's, it's all about treating your business when it's small, like you want it to be when it's big and, 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 and kind of emulating those big companies that are out there. Well, if you're going to have continued growth, uh, and if your business is going to stop being a small business and start being a big business, you're going to have to have staff at some point. At some point, you can't run it all by yourself. Um, when we hired our first staff, it's funny, like uh, we, were, we were having this conversation the other day preparing for this, and we're talking about, you know, the first person we really hired on staff, and uh, we, we, we really do believe in hiring for your weaknesses, right? The things that you're weak at, and, and I think about our first staff member, I think, oh my gosh, all the stuff she's so great at is stuff that we both really are sort of weak at. But I didn't hire her for those things. We didn't hire her for those things. The first person I hired on my staff, I hired to go through clients who had bought Index Universal Life policies from me and set up appointments for me so I could review their Index Universal Life policy and maybe there's a better policy out there for them. And I call that the commute. I hired a staff to help me with the commute. I have, like a lot of you, I have no problem working when it's time to work. It's, it's getting to the place where you're working that I tend to be annoyed at, right? Like I, I, I had no problem when I was in the personal production field. I had no problem sitting down with clients and talking with them. I loved it. It's one of my favorite things. I loved running appointments. I didn't like making the dials to book those appointments. Uh, and consistently what we see when, um, when agents start hiring staff and they hire staff to, to, to take care of that commute, you know, to, to make sure that the agent is getting to work. Consistently, we see that. We immediately see that agent's production tick up because now that staff member is able to call the clients, set up appointments. Uh, hey, you know what? We got this form. We need to get it filled out for the policy that you submitted and set up a time for the agent to take care of that. Like it's, it's taking care of the commute and it's keeping things going, keeping things moving. Um, and you know, and it's, I've had people, agents come to me and say, I, I know I need to hire staff fits, but I just don't think I can afford them. Well, if you can't afford them, you should fire them because they're either producing for you and giving you a return that covers their expense or they're not. And if they're not covering the, the, their payroll, if they're not covering how much you're paying them, they aren't worth it. I've had to get rid of some staff and I was like, you aren't worth the money I'm paying you. You're not, you're, I'm not breaking even on you. I'm certainly not profiting on you. And uh, that's a problem. So I wouldn't be so concerned about, I can't hire staff because I don't have the money. You don't pay somebody's annual salary up front. You're just trying to meet payroll next time. But, but in that gap, that two to three to four weeks when they're getting up and running with that new staff member, they should immediately be getting you a return on that so that you don't have to worry about covering those expenses. Mm -hmm. But uh, I, I mean, more often uh, we, we have, I don't say we've hired weaknesses, but we've, we've hired staff to cover the things that, produce income, but, but aren't necessarily as big a return per hour as other activities. And so we've, uh, 
uh, hired staff over the years to take stuff off of our plate so we can focus on the highest return work. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, going back to a strategic thought, but you don't, you don't have the CEO in the mailroom opening up letters of a Fortune 500 company. He's not, he's not going through his mail. His mail has been gone through and it's on his desk or her desk, and, and now they're able to get to work. So uh, anyway, uh, that's my, my take on staff and yeah. building a business big. Yeah, and I think I'm, I'm just sitting here thinking as we conclude the, the series on focus, I think it really boils down to when you, if you have focus, it means that you're trading the good for the great, mm. you're managing the, the return on your investment, mm. and you are focused on the activity that is going to take your business to the next level. That's good. You're doing the tasks that will take your business to the next level level. So um, those are probably the three themes that just sort of evolved. We didn't even put those in our notes, Mm -hmm. but I would say they've evolved over this series of focus. So if you haven't listened to them all, go back and listen to the other ones prior to this. Um, But I know um, even for me, I've been challenged on things as we've talked about this over the last few weeks that we can do to help our business go to the next level as well. So um, we're just happy to be in the good fight with all of you that are listening with us today. That's right. Hey, now that you know, you you know. know.